1: economic indicators. Who knows where this is going to
0: end up. To understand the economy, you have to understand human nature. Welcome to the David McWilliams podcast, the podcast that aims to make economics accessible, comprehensible, and I think above all, relevant. This week, we're going to be discussing the China America trade war, why it happened, what's it all about, and where it's going to end. Before we begin, I want to just mention that this episode is brought to you thanks to our Patreon supporters, and to help support the content, and perhaps more importantly, to unlock exclusive comment and scenes and footage and episodes, please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash David McWilliams. As always, I'm joined by my old mucker, John Davis. How are you, head? Very good. Rocking along. <laughs> Rocking along.
1: So anyway, you know that I love watching the news and I flick from Sky to BBC to CNN to Turkish. I'm on a new kick with, with Turkish news at the moment. It's great.
0: Erdogan's uh, propaganda machine.
1: Yeah, no, but it's, it's fascinating. It's just interesting how the, you get different takes. You get the see the top of the hour headlines. And a lot of the headlines are the same. Which have different takes in on each one, and it's it's just very interesting way of of uh, somewhere in the middle is the truth. But of course, one of the big stories at the moment that's kind of dragging on and on is the U.S.-China trade war, and there's a lot of there's a lot of good information and there's a lot of misinformation, and the lads in on uh, CNN are always going on about the trade war and slagging Trump off about the tariffs and stuff, and I just kind of I'm not sure if I fully get it. I'm not sure if they fully get it, to be honest with you. So talk to me well, a little bit about the deficit and the, the and tariffs how it all works. And, and the whole thing.
0: Well, I wouldn't be in any way shocked, John, by being a little bit quizzical about some of the pundits that you see on CNN and Sky and the roving news, CNBC and all those ones. Because mm. what I've always thought of my own experience, I've watched these guys and listened to them occasionally, I always thought, Do they know anything about economics? Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, I'm serious. And then you trans. Then what looks is is uh, you find that they know nothing about economics, and you find out that they're actually not even economists. And by that, I said they haven't studied it. Economics is where a lot of them are lawyers who want to be TV stars and use economics as a way forward. I've I've noticed this in economics over the years, and it's not to be arsy about it, but economics is one of the few subjects where people who've never studied economics feel that they have the permission to spout off on it, mm. right?
1: But it's okay to be a journalist and and to be yeah.
0: curious and no, no, asking the questions. So, for example, you know, you'd never get a somebody who's never studied physics to sit there with a physicist and say, "No, no, that's not how it works," right? What I find is huh. lawyers are my bete noir, my pet hate, right? Because they they don't know what they don't know, which is a very dangerous person, right? Yeah, and they feel that economics is kind of all. Once you've read the FT in the back of the Economist magazine you actually understand the way the world works. Yeah. And it, this is a little, and I notice a lot of them tend to morph into talking about economics and politics, yeah. but particularly economics on television. Yeah. But anyway, so I wouldn't be surprised. So the China thing is, the first thing is that trade theory in economics, right? Which I teach in, in Trinity, right? There's two things, John, right? The one is that when two countries trade together, it makes everybody better off. Okay? Yeah, sure. But... It makes some people better off than others. There are winners and losers in this thing. And the role, so the first thing about trade theory, the first thing you teach uh, uh, is that it makes everyone better off. The second thing is there are winners and losers. And the third thing is that governments should understand that the losers have to be compensated. Okay. So take, for example, in the United States, if the United States was a closed economy for cars, as it was in the 1950s, so you had Buicks and Old Mobile and Ford, right? Then in the 1970s, the Americans opened up their economy to Japanese cars, Mm -hmm. right? And initially they described the Japanese cars as these little tin things from Asia and they'll never impact on General Motors and and Buick and all these companies. And then in the 70s, 80s and 90s, the Japanese cars, along with German cars, Volkswagen, but particularly Japanese cars, destroyed the American car industry because they were better, right? So think about it. If you're an American punter buying the Japanese car, suddenly you're buying a better car for less money. So you are better off, okay? So that everybody in America who's not actively in the car industry making cars is made better off by the arrival of Japanese cars. They are paying less for better quality. It means their income after they buy their car has gone up, right? Yeah. But, here's the big but, the people who lose are the people in Detroit, in Motor City, making the cars. Yeah. So unless the government realises that the losers need to be compensated for everybody to be better off, what you get is pockets of big countries like America that are destroyed by globalisation. Okay. Right.
1: So in the car case... But they are the big proponents of free market economics. And this is the really market, interesting thing, right?
0: So, the, so the, in the car case, you have the Motor City in Detroit, which becomes a wasteland... Yeah. Have you seen 8 Mile? You see, I do know some movies, yeah. <laughs> right? I do know some movies, right? But that idea, the, the sort of uh, M&M story. Yeah. And Trump understood that for 20 years, certainly since Reagan, the overwhelming philosophy in the United States, even through Clinton and then through Bush Jr. and even through Obama, has been that world trade is great for everybody. And there are are losers, but those losers can find jobs doing something else, okay? Yeah. But what tends typically to happen is when you migrate from a manufacturing job to a service job, what you get is your wages drop. And the reason is very simple because manufacturing jobs tend to be highly productive. If you're making cars, you're actually being productive not just by your abilities, but all the machines and all the investment that's around you. Sure. So your wages, your productivity is high. And your wages are high. If you lose your job as a, as a car manufacturer in Detroit, for example, what else are you going to do? Probably going to try and sell real estate. So you're straight onto the minimum wage and you're on a commission if you flog. Commission-based, yeah. Yeah. Or, you're, or at the worst, you're flipping burgers. So you're moving from high productivity to low productivity. High wage to low wage. So even if you do find a job, you're likely to have taken a hit to your income. These are the people who, who we hear about in the swing states in the United States who have been badly affected by globalization. They are the people who listen to Trump and Trump says, you know what, it's not the 40 years of Republican stroke free market ideology that has left you flipping burgers when you started your career as a mechanic in General Motors, okay? It's the Chinese. So the Chinese are the consequence of 40 years of American policy rather than the cause of the problems. But Trump realizes that politically this is a very volatile constituency and it's a very fertile constituency. So what they do is they blame the Mexicans Yeah. or the Canadians. Remember, he's blamed the Canadians for a while, okay? Yeah. God forbid. I mean, who'd who be again the Canadians, you know? They <laughs> make great cocktails. <laughs> Nicest people in the world. And that, and of course, is the Chinese. So yeah. the, the background noise to everything is trade theory tells us everyone is better off, but there are losers, and those losers need to be looked after. The problem in the United States is they never looked after the losers. Yeah. And the losers now are the volatile, largely white class that have been affected by globalization, and Trump has garnered them as his support base. Then you put on top of that you know, the wall, the Mexican wall, et cetera. Hmm. And it's probably no surprise that as the electoral cycle begins to come around again and within everyone's sight is the primaries and the next presidential election cycle, that Trump is ratcheting up the trade war with China now because he knows it's going to go down well with his punters, even though there's a big argument that says his punters won't benefit at all.
1: Right. I I want to talk a little bit more about the trade war and the tariffs and stuff that in a second, but just on that, I did see a interview with your man, Jack Ma from Alibaba. And he was asked about, this is quite a while ago now, but he was asked about the trade war between us and China. And he said, do you know, and he basically saying what you were saying there, but the way he expressed it was, you know, the thing about the Americans is we're not their problem. We haven't taken the jobs from America. The problem is that Americans have never learned how to share their wealth.
0: Well, that's a very, you know, that's true. I mean, if you look at America, it's the richest country in the world by a country milestone with these massive levels of inequality and massive levels and pockets of poverty and destitution and race issues that are not solved in other countries, but ameliorated in other countries. Mm. They're not solved in America because they're, they're too fucking greedy. And they also elevate greed. Yeah. And they put on a pedestal rich people as if wealth is the single biggest arbiter of happiness. It's really interesting. If you go back into looking at the United States and you look at the guy called Alexis de Tocqueville, who was a French aristocrat who did an amazing sociological survey of the United States in the middle part of the 19th century. Mm -hmm. And it's exceptional... Because he really gets what the Americans are about. And they are about money and an obsession with commercial. It's an immigrant mentality. It's an immigrant mentality. But the problem is now, what it is, is that it's been a long... The immigrants in America now aren't Europeans anymore. Yeah. They're Asians.
1: Yeah. No, but I mean, the the originated... Because the original immigrants, you know, the Irish, the English, the Germans, the whole lot. You know, when you get off your arse... And to move country, move continent, well, you have a fire in your belly and you're going to make sure that it works. And you've got a good, strong work ethic. And most immigrants have a good, strong work ethic.
0: But the interesting thing is now they're turning their back on most immigrants because the immigrants who are coming with the good, well, strong work ethic the are the are the Latinos. Yeah. And yeah, they're yeah. turning their back on it and the, and the Chinese. So, But I think that, and, and of course, what you have is that the good, strong work ethic idea is prevalent in the United States. But far too many people are working far too hard for far too little. Mm. And that, I believe, is the root of the problem. And there's no other way of looking at it. Um, but if you come back to Trump and China, yeah, they've blamed the Chinese, okay? The statistics are the following, right? The Chinese export about 530 billion dollars of product to the United States every year. right The Americans export about 120 billion. so the trade deficit, between China and the United States is $400 Jesus. And Trump is saying, I'm going to impose tariffs in order to bring that down. Now, this is the interesting thing about tariffs. Tariffs are imposed on the purchaser, the buyer. Yeah. So if you're buying stuff from China, the tariff increases the price to you. It's a tax. It's a tax. And the only way the tariffs will work quickly in rectifying the trade deficit is if there's an American product, substitute product, just waiting to be bought. And uh, yeah, that gotcha. product will be bought because the Chinese product has gone up in price because the tariffs have made it expensive. Right? But the number of the issue, is there an American product ready to be bought? And I don't believe there is, because what has happened is America has grinded down its manufacturing base to such an extent that the reason people are buying stuff from China and from Japan, for example, and from Germany, Hmm. is that there isn't an American substitute ready. So consequently, the destruction of the American industrial base has already happened. And it takes quite a while to rebuild that again, irrespective of whether the tariffs are at zero or 100%. And during that period, when over time it will become productive to build in the United States again and make things, that takes a long, long time. So has Trump misjudged this entirely? But well, what he has misjudged is this traditional idea that if you increase price A, people will then substitute to good B, which is basic economics. Yeah. But it means that good B has to be available. The likelihood is that good B will also be an import. It yeah. will be one without tariffs from Europe. It'll be from Korea. Or, Korea, or it'll be yeah. from Taiwan, or yeah. it'll be from Japan. So this is the problem. That's the, the, the that's the first issue. Mm-hmm. Second issue is a tariff then taxes American consumers who are already at the pin of their collar, both in terms of their after-tax income and in terms of their debt profile. So what you might see is that the increase in the tariffs on consumer goods is paid for by an increase in what we call these payday loans in America, by an increase in people going out to borrow to cover the price of the new car. So you might actually see more indebtedness on the part of the American population that Trump is trying to help because they have to pay more for the tariffs. Right. So it seems to me that I can understand what he's trying to do. Mm. What he's trying to do is win a quick political gain rather than rebuild American industrial power. You can rebuild your industrial power hiding behind tariffs, but it takes a long time. And if you look at the one country that could probably do it is the United States, because it is a massive economy. You know, the mm. Americans are self-sufficient in almost everything. They can do it, mm. but it takes 20 or 30 so this years to do it.
1: There's a huge gamble on Trump's part. Yep. There, so there's, there's, there's a point where people will wake up and see that it will either work or won't work and he'd be found out. He, he doesn't At give a, what stage he doesn't is that going to
0: happen? He doesn't give a shit. Like, okay, think about right, right. Trump is what's going to win me the next election. Mm. If I believe that building the wall, I mean, building the wall certainly got him votes. We we think it's obnoxious. Yeah. But it was a rallying cry, you know? If he thinks it's China is going to win him the election, it's going to win him those people who have been dislocated by globalization. Then I think... It makes sense. It's not really a gamble. It's kind of a win-win for him. Okay. Because it's going to take a while for all this to emerge. And he all he needs is a win in the next 18 months. So I think as a gamble, it's quite a clever one. You know, rather than, you know, from okay. his from his side. Yeah. But then you've got to think, okay, well, what else is what else is going on? So the Americans also need China because China finances the United States. This is what the Americans don't get, right? I don't get this either. Okay, so th- this is what a lot of our CNN fellas don't get. Yeah, yeah, the lawyers yeah. masquerading as economists, okay? <laughs> so basically what happens is, let's say a good comes from China, right? To America. Yeah. The Americans pay for the Chinese good in dollars, right? Yeah. Then the dollar goes back to China. Yeah. But you can't use dollars in China because they've got their own currency, the RMB. So that dollar has to be converted into Chinese currency. Now, if the Chinese central bank allowed all the dollars to be converted into Chinese currency, two things would happen. One is the value of the Chinese currency would go through the roof, Mm -hmm. okay, right? And two is the money supply of of, of China would expand. So you'd get both inflation internally in China because the money supply expands because the dollars come in. And you would get the currency going up, which would make Chinese goods less Competitive. competitive with the world. Yep. So the Chinese don't want this. So when their dollars come into the China China Chinese say okay, what are we going to buy with these dollars that prevents the current Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states.
1: PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
0: See, rising. We're going to buy American stuff, but the Americans don't sell us everything. Yes, they do. They sell us these little bits of paper called IOUs, called American Treasury Bills, right? So the Chinese use American money right. to buy American debt. And therefore, America becomes more indebted to China with the Chinese using money that originally originated in America. It's an amazing thing that's happening, okay? So, so, what's the, so think what's, this is what's happening, right? So the United States, so Trump says, okay, think about it. So Trump says, I want tax cuts for the rich guys. Yeah. And all the rich guys say, fucking great stuff. We'll have all the tax cuts, right? So they have tax What happens when you cut taxes is you have to cut public expenditure at the same time or else your budget deficit goes through the roof. Okay, yeah. So Trump says, don't worry about the budget deficit. We can always borrow. Right? So the rule number one of Republicans in America is Republicans, when they're in opposition, worry about the deficit when they are in power, they spend like drunken sailors, right? right? They don't give a shit about the deficit. Yeah. Reagan was a great... thing. They're all talk about the deficit. When they come to power, they spend like hell. Bush Sr., Bush Jr., huge, massive budget deficit, right? Republicans use the budget deficit to beat up the Democrats when Republicans are in opposition. Yeah. Once they get to power, they spend money. Where does the money come from? So they say, okay, we are going to issue treasury bills these are ious from the government the american government right to finance our deficit mm. so the americans give you pieces of paper which was an iou promise to pay the bearer okay mm. and in return the chinese give them cash but the cash is originally american It's
1: their cash yeah.
0: okay so what ends up then is china becomes a huge creditor to the united states japan did the same thing in the 1980s so the japanese did exactly the same people always figure figures why are the japanese buying american treasuries when the dollar is falling gradually against the japanese yen and they're going to lose money at the end but the reason was because they wanted to buy market share so china and japan have a massive interest in america continuing to grow irrespective of how it grows because it sucks in all their manufacturing products. Yeah. So if it grows through debt finance, well, so be it. And the second thing the Chinese want to avoid big time is a massive increase in their currency, which makes them much less competitive. Yeah. So what is actually happening is China is getting market share in America and it has the Americans by the balls because the Americans owe the money through the credit markets. These are the two big things that are happening. I suspect our friends at CNN don't get this big picture. Probably not. But th- so where is this going to end up and how long can the
1: U.S. keep the tariffs up? Because it is crippling large parts of, of America. And also
0: on the flip side, like what can China do about these tariffs? Okay. So at the moment, 23% of all Chinese exports go to the United States. That's a big number. Yeah only 7% of all American exports go to China, okay? Right. So the Chinese have a lot to lose in a tariff war, a lot to lose. Mm. And already financial markets are getting really spooked out about this because China already has also internal debt problems too. China has to keep the whole show on the road. So, I mean, the the thing is, John, when you look at it, China isn't a winner in this. Nobody's really a winner Mm. except for maybe Donald if it gets them God over forbid. the li- if it gets them over the line yeah okay the chinese need the americans to back down or at least to freeze what is going on because what china doesn't want is an escalation of a trade war although the chinese themselves have said they are ready they will not be bullied yeah so they're quite adamant that they have become sufficiently powerful but, but at the-, the margin if you're exporting nearly a quarter of all your exports to one country and that country is imposing tariffs on you, then you're in a sort of a cul-de-sac and you need to find a way out. So maybe what the Chinese could do is allow their currency to rise a lot more. So in that way, Chinese exports would become more expensive and the mechanism whereby usually in trade theory Countries' deficits and surpluses balance each other, which is what happens is the country with the deficit, its currency should fall. Yeah. The country with the surplus, its currency should rise. As its currency rises, its goods become more expensive. And over time, you get a rebalancing of trade where, you know, this is what should happen. Yeah. At the moment, that's not happening because the Chinese don't allow their currency to rise. OK, number one, and number two, because they're so dominant in so many areas, the Americans don't have the alternative substitute industries to kick into straight away. All right, this is what Trump is hoping for. So Trump is hoping for the political kick from China bashing to percolate down to the original people we spoke about who are the people who were badly affected by globalisation in the first place. For example, we took the example of our motor industry yeah. workers, but they could be the coal miners of Pennsylvania, whatever those swing places are, okay? Yeah. That's what Trump's hoping for. The Chinese need a de-escalation of everything. But it looks now as the Americans are re-escalating, and they are re-escalating via the tech trade war, which you see going on now, which is the epicenter of which is this Chinese... And it's the whole Huawei... This is the whole debacle. Huawei issue, right? Mm. But what is happening is that the new Cold War is largely becoming an information war. Who knows more about whom? Mm. It's a data war. It's a cyber war. So consequently, now, in the past, the military-industrial complex in the United States was the area which most determined whether America was primary in the world or not. So remember the old Cold War, the mutually assured destruction. The Americans would simply deploy more and more nuclear warheads. The Russians had to respond, and eventually that spending bankrupt the Mm. Soviet Union. That's what the old Cold War used to be fought. The new Cold War is not going to be fought with nuclear weapons. It's going to be fought on information. Who knows more about the next guy? Okay. So consequently, it's an espionage war and it's an industrial espionage. Now, in the old days, espionage was James Bond. Yeah. It was spies, the <laughs> CIA, spooks going in and fecking pretending they were members of this, that, and the other. That's yeah, yeah. The, old, the old, the the CIA. It was, was fun. It was fun. There was lots of, there was, there was, there was lots of martinis there were a lot of chicks. <laughs> it was all good. There was lots of Aston Martins, all that shit, right? Okay. It was MI5, all that stuff. Now, The new Cold War, the new Mm -hmm. secret agent is this, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: your mobile Phone. phone. This is the new James Bond. So consequently, the mobile phone, it's data. That's how you know shit, okay? So therefore, in the old days, the military industrial industry was the crucible of the Cold War. Now it's Silicon Valley. because Silicon Valley owns the data. Yeah. So consequently, what you find is two things are happening now. The new Cold War between China and America, although it's playing out in the tariffs because normally what happens is that when you have a country on the ascendancy and a country on on the decline, they're almost condemned to fight each other in certain areas. So, for example, you saw when Britain was on the decline in Europe Mm -hmm. in the 1890s, 1900s, and Germany was on the rise, you end up with the First World War, right? Because basically, initially you've trade problems. And then you have conflicts because it's over resources and power. Okay. So China is on the ascendancy. America is on the decline. It's not surprising they have these wars. Okay. Now you have the trade war in manufacturing, but the next phase is going to be in tech because where the Americans realize they have a massive upper hand is in technology, in yeah. Silicon Valley. And of course, what the Chinese have been doing, recognizing that over the last 10 years is they've been mimicking and robbing all American technology. Yeah, they've been playing catch-up. Yeah, they've been playing catch-up, but they have to. Mm. So now we see with, I never know how to pronounce it, Huawei, is it Huawei? Huawei. Okay, so now with Huawei, what you're seeing is the next chapter of the tech Cold War, that the Americans are going to destroy this company if they can. And how they're doing it is they're actually taking away their operating system Android, which is what they're actually now doing. So they're going to destroy the threat to America from the tech. It also means something really interesting for the American political system. Yeah. At the moment, you have people like Elizabeth Warren on the left saying that Google and Facebook and Apple, particularly Google and Facebook, are too big. They're behemoths and we need to actually geld these. We need to disrupt them. We need to break up these massive companies because they're too powerful. Yeah. This is based on the old Teddy Roosevelt playbook when Teddy Roosevelt, who was the first Roosevelt president of the United States at the turn of the 20th century, he saw that the oil companies largely driven by Rockefeller were becoming far too big, the end of the Gilded Age and far too, far too, too important and far too big and far too threatening to the American state
1: Mm.
0: that they broke up all the oil companies. Standard Oil they broke them all up into various smaller oil companies right because they were a threat a lot of people on the left in america see the big technology companies silicon valley as so big and so powerful that the power in america has shifted from the government to the tech giants who know everything yeah and they should be broken up yeah but the ace that the tech giants have in silicon valley is china because the american government will not break up american tech if it is using American tech as its main weapon against China in this new technological Cold War. Right. Of course.
1: Yeah. Because
0: yeah. they're more valuable. And now you see the CIA and Facebook meet all the time, but basically Facebook is the new CIA.
1: So all this James Bond stuff is fascinating. And actually John Brennan, your man from the CIA, is turning up the Docky Book Festival. So you're going to have a chance to talk to him and, and grill him about this.
0: Absolutely. I mean, it's it's it, it's extraordinary. I'm going to be interviewing Brennan on Saturday morning of the book festival. It's the 15th. He's also on another gig, which is basically Trump's America, Saturday afternoon as well. It'll be fascinating because in order to interview Brennan, I've been reading up in the CIA, right? I've been yeah. a great book called Wiener, W-E-I-N-E-R, who's the history of the CIA, and it's spectacular. So really Pulitzer Prize winning book, published about 10 years ago. Fantastic, right? First of all, just the chaos of the CIA, where, how it came to be. So the CIA was set up after the Second World War. The Americans had no intelligence after the Second World War. Yeah. And then Some was, would argue they don't. They they don't it. <laughs> it's, uh, it's all about this conflict at the heart of the CIA between espionage, information gathering about the enemy, and regime change. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it's always this thing between the two. What should they do? And the Americans have tried to to basically change regimes all over the world yeah. through CIA yeah. stooges and all sorts of... But that got me thinking, that pushed me into thinking about the trade war with China. So with Brennan, I want to talk about the new tech Cold War because in the old days, it was all about James Bond and finding that information. Now it's about the war goes from trade mm. to positioning around the world Regime change. What the Chinese are doing in regime change is they're doing checkbook diplomacy. They're buying regimes. So the Americans used to destabilize regimes by undermining them, by sending in the military, yeah. by arming weirdos and counter-revolutionaries. The Chinese are doing something totally different. They're buying the regimes. With American with, dollars? With Chinese, they're not even, what, you know what they're doing? Chinese technologies. They're saying, we will build okay. you a motorway if you guarantee us your zinc supplies for the next 20 years, and this we mainly be, in Africa. Mainly in Africa. But they're also financing this belt and road thing all the way through from China to course, yeah. Turkey. So they're what they're doing is they're buying influence the way the Americans used to buy influence, except the Chinese are down through infrastructure, the Americans used to do it through the military. Yeah. So they're more clever, I think. And yeah. ultimately, then of course, China has threatens America in the area of technology. And this is why Brennan would be fantastic, because I can ask him all these questions about the CIA and Trump, but also Trump again is clever, because by Trump going after China, he gets the American institutions like the CIA back on his side. People don't look at it this way, right? Okay. Because the CIA have an anti-Russian bias, obviously, mm-hmm. an anti-Chinese bias. Yeah. So if... Trump regards two battles. The enemy within, which is his battle against the swamp. Remember Drain the Swamp? Yeah, yeah. Right? Part of the swamp is the CIA. It's the insider's inside, right?
1: Okay.
0: So on the one hand, by going after China, he looks good out in the swing states, in the hinterland. He's going against the people who Americans believe have destroyed their economy, even though, as we've said, they destroy their economy themselves.
1: Yeah.
0: And it makes him look like a patriot. Insight and it makes the CIA relevant again because the CIA are only relevant when you're having a big war against somebody. Yeah. 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 So he's clever. This idea that Trump's a dumbass is, yeah. is the media that we all read. In but it depends chain.
1: if, if, uh, no, no, I, I totally get that. And I've never actually thought that, I, I've always thought that he's ignorant but not stupid. Yeah. I think you're right. But it depends if it's, if this is his strategy or people like John Bolton and all those. Guys behind the scenes. Could who's be. pulling who, the strings? Who, who,
0: who the knows? Notes. But the point is, he seems to be stumbling into successes yeah. rather than failures. Yeah, yeah. And that in politics is hard to beat, Yeah. whether you think he's an asshole or not. So I'm
1: kind of getting to understand the whole
0: trade war
1: and where the tariffs come in and what Trump is trying to do and China's position. But
0: where are we going from here? I go back to James Bond. Espionage, the CIA, was all about trying to understand what the next guy was going to do. Now the new infiltration has been done by technology. Consequently, Americans have to win this Cold War. And to win this Cold War, ironically, the American state will not only not break up the tech giants, but it needs the tech giants to be even bigger and more powerful. And that's the next theater of conflict. Between countries. So the power shift has shifted from the American military industrial complex making weapons to Silicon Valley making tech products and investing in tech. And as a consequence of that, any move to break up Silicon Valley will not necessarily have to be defended by Silicon Valley, but will be defended by the CIA and the deep state in America because now Silicon Valley is part of the American armament of this new. Cold War. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. Now, if you like our content and you want to support us, please consider becoming a patron at Patreon.com forward slash David McWilliams. If you become a patron, you can unlock all sorts of interesting new content, interviews I'm going to be doing, ticket giveaways for those interviews, those conversations with really interesting people, experiences that you can't get anywhere else. And this will ensure that the podcast remains ad-free and you can get all of this stuff for the price of a pint.
1: Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget?